You are about to listen to a sermon from Common Ground Church in Rapid City, South Dakota. We hope to see you in person. For more information, visit commongroundcma.org. Which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool. When the water is stirred, while I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? And the man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd and uh, that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to them, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. Jesus said to them, My father is always at at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, the the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows, and shows Him all He does. Yes, to your amazement, He will show Him even greater things than these. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom He is pleased to give it. Finish the sentence. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. You can continue reading if you want to, um, but here's what what just kind of clicked and popped into my head this morning. You know what I love about Jesus? I love that he makes a huge mess. Like when he walks into the scene, when he walks onto this scene and many, many other scenes, he creates a big stinking mess. Now if you are kind of walking through the picture in your head, um, this storyline starts off with a man who's sitting a man who's sitting knowing two things, that he's broken and that he needs to be fixed. He needs to be healed. Now, this isn't just like, you know, I'm broken and I need to be fixed and so I need that. But this guy, this guy's life is a mess. He can't walk. In that society, that means he can't produce anything. He can't get a job. He can't be paid for anything. There was no social services in order to protect him. There wasn't these things that you can apply. You can apply for disability, okay? This is not something that he could do. In fact, what is happening is he is sitting there left to his own filth to beg. He's broken and surrounded every day by this brokenness and watching the world pass by. And there's no one there to help him. No one there to help him. No one there to help him. Imagine waking up every day being confronted by your brokenness and knowing deep within your soul how much you need to be saved, but there's no one there to help you. And you have the foggiest idea where to go. 
I want, you, I want you to know this in a missions context, that there is an entire chunk of the world we would call the 1040 window, in which there are people who have never heard of the name of Jesus Christ. They don't have anybody there who can help them, and they find themselves in a broken situation, in a broken position, and no one's there to help them and help them. And I will tell you that in a missions context, America has moved into one of the largest mission fields because we're having people who have never heard of the name of Jesus. So this man could turn to a lot of places, right? He could turn to a lot of places for healing. Think about it. What are some of the options he could do? He could go to self-medication. He could go to self-help books. He could go to witch doctors, sometimes called chiropractors. It's fine. Do the history. Um, or he could go to... I don't know. I, I desperately need to go to a chiropractor. So that's fine. Um, or he could go to some doctor, right? And the doctor's going to look at him and be like, well, your legs don't work. That'll be $700, right? So that's the way that this whole healthcare system... Let me test your reflexes. Nothing there, buddy. Give me some money, right? So... That's that's what he's facing. He has these options. I can go to a doctor. I can go, or or I can go. I heard of this pool. I heard of this pool, and the legend around this pool. In case you didn't notice it, look back up at your chapter five. Do you notice that it goes verses one, two, three, and then what's the next verse? Look, one, two, three, five. Now, either the biblical writers don't know how to count. They didn't actually put these verse numbers in here, just so you know. But okay, what's happening is, um, what's been redacted, what's been removed from your from your text is uh, uh, is verse four. And verse four would say something along the lines of, "For an angelic being would descend in the pool and stir the pool up." And he refers to that a little bit later. Okay, in fact, many of your Bibles would say that from time to time an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. And so he hears this legend of this pool where he could sit and maybe get healed. And so what happens is he's waiting for the waters to move, for them to stir up, for something magical to happen. And then as soon as this thing happens, it's like, uh, it's like the kids at the pool during the summer, right? As soon as the sound goes off or they blow the whistle, everybody runs back into the pool, right? That's like this, okay? The whistle sounds, the, the waters move, and everybody runs into the pool, and the first one there gets healed. So he hears of this legend. He's like, I gotta, I gotta go. And he sits there. Problem. Can't move. Can't move. Can't walk. See, this legend is the thing that draws him. And so what happens is he actually comes here, and what he's confronted with, and I don't know if you're catching this, but he is confronted with the fact that He has to try over and over again as a broken person to get his broken, sorry carcass into that water that will heal him. And the brokenness stands in the way of his own self-action, of his own own self-desire to save himself, of his own motivation that he's broken and he keeps trying to fix himself. He places all his hope and all his uh, all his hope and all his puts all his chips on his own ability to get into this pool. Like, I can do this. Someday I'm going to trip everybody. I'm going to kick people. I'm going to gnash. I'm going to claw. I'm going to bite. And I'm going to get in that water. That's what he's doing there. But he can't. He can't. This man knows he needs healing. And he's there because he needs healing. And then, it's just an interesting thing. Because then Jesus enters the scene. And what does Jesus ask him? What's the question? Do you want to be healed. Do you want to be made well? What do you think he's doing there, right? Like, what would my, what would your response be to Jesus if this guy, he doesn't know who Jesus is, comes walking up. He's like, hey, you want to be healed? 
Yeah, right? That's what you mean, like, duh, Jesus. Right? This is a duh Jesus moment. But the man's response is actually so much more than a duh reply, in case you're not catching that. He lets Jesus into his issues. What he says is, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water's stirred while I'm trying to get in. Someone else goes down ahead of me and steals my blessing. That's not actually in there. I put that other part. But that's the idea. I have no one here to help me. You want to be healed? I have nobody here to help me. Right? Can you feel the tension that's there? Something's going on inside of this guy that he lets Jesus in on what's happening. Jesus asks him, do you want to get made well? Do you want to be healed? He's like, I have nobody that can help me. Nobody's going to help me. I try to get down there and somebody gets down there faster than me. So he places all of his hope and his ability to heal himself. And what's happening is he's failed to heal himself time and time and time and time and time and time again. And this equals hopelessness. The man could not heal himself. He couldn't get himself in there. He tries again and again and again. The people clamor over him to get their healing, but he is stuck there, absolutely hopeless. He knows he needs help, and no one is there to help him. And then you add to that helplessness, that hopelessness, a touch of loneliness, and that's the grounds for bitterness. I'm hopeless. I can't save myself. And guess what? Nobody's even going to be here to save me because the world is horrible and rotten, and I am just a victim. The bitterness creeps up. And now, Jesus simply asks him, do you want to be made well? And he's like, there's nobody here that can help me. There's nobody that can help me. But then, Jesus decides to make a mess. And I love that about Jesus. The man's reply, nobody's here to help me and nobody can get me in that pool. And Jesus doesn't pick him up and drop him in the pool and say, look, the pool healed you. No, what he does is he just says, get up. Pick up your mat. Walk. Go on. Do it. Jesus heals him. And it's not just that he heals him. He heals him when? On a Sabbath. One of the times that I think Jesus loves to heal the most. And this is one of Jesus' favorite things Jesus's favorite things to do. He loves to pick times and ways that are strange to the human mind, strange to our society, strange to our culture, to say, now I'm breaking in, now I'm going to make a mess, now I'm going to mess things up. He picks the strangest times and he does it for a reason. And he actually shows this reason in this passage because what he does is as the man, as the man is healed... And the man obeys Jesus to get up and go pick up his mat and walk. What happens? The Pharisees are like, you can't do that. Stop walking around on the Sabbath carrying your bed, sir. That is against God's will. And they step in and they're angry at this man. And they're trying to tell him, but this guy, like he has had an encounter with Jesus. So who do you think is going to be more important to obey? The Pharisees who've never helped him, who've never healed him, and have never lifted a finger? Or the man who said, get up, take up your bed and walk? Of course he's going to obey Jesus. And as he obeys Jesus, conflict follows him. And you need to know this. As you obey Jesus, conflict follows you. It will creep up. It will be there. That is God's intent. Because here's what he's doing. Jesus, in his great and wisdom, great wisdom and infinite mercy, because God's already doing this, he heals this man. And as this man obeys, he finds the man, says, you are well again, stop sinning, and something worse may happen to you. And that man went away and immediately snitched. He went and told the Jews that it was Jesus. 
Now, the Pharisees come to Jesus. What are you doing? Why are you healing on a Sabbath? And He says, it's because I and the Father are one. It's because I'm God. Because I, I'm, I and the Father are one. My Father, I am His Son. I listen to Him. I do what He does. He does what I do. We are so unified. We are so tight. We are so equal that you have no idea what in the world is going on. We are working on the Sabbath. Just so you know, we are working for healing on the Sabbath. And they freak out. They freak out. See, Jesus makes a mess in this guy's life and as he obeys, he brings that mess to somebody else's life and then they get all messy and then Jesus gets confronted with the mess and he makes the mess even deeper, right? He's like, no, don't even worry about it. Like, I'm, I'm God. I'm like, so it's okay. We, we're, we're doing fine here. Jesus uses this whole situation to not only unashamedly heal on the Sabbath, Sabbath but to make sure that the Jewish leaders question him on who he, question him on who he is. Now, I was wondering why in the world this passage, right? Why, why did I have to go here? Well, I don't know if you know this or not, but you are surrounded by people who feel a deep sense of brokenness. You guys that are going out on the streets, okay, I don't, I don't mean to separate you out, but you're here, so I'm going to. Um, you guys who are going out on the streets, you know this. You are about to be in front of people who are trying to self-medicate. Whether it be with actual self-medication medication, like through you know drugs, alcohol, substances, or whether it's just through pleasure, through enjoyment, through getting away on a weekend, through buying the best and the brightest and riding across the country, whatever it is, there are people who are coming here for an escape and to express their identity and all of this stuff. They're trying to do the things that they're supposed to be doing in Jesus, but they're taking it from culture. But in cubicle land, if you're in cubicle land, come tomorrow, you're sitting next to people who are struggling with the same thing. They're lost, they're broken, they're hopeless, and they don't know how to fix this. And slowly their world's getting sucked dry as they check into cubicle land 9 to 5. Got some friends of, uh, some mutual friends of, of, uh, of some of us. And there's a, well, there's a guy that, that, uh, uh, myself and Jesse know that, uh, is typical of most guys, right? He believes, wholeheartedly believes that he is a good person. And that when he stands before God, God's gonna go, oh man, you did way more good than you did bad stuff. You did way more good. You're like a B plus. Come on in. All the B pluses in that section, right? He firmly believes that he's a good person. And that he can get there on his own. But the issue is that the more this trial happens again and again and again and again and again, the more we try to get ourselves to this place where we can be holy enough to please God, good enough to earn salvation, good enough to have God shine His face on us, the darker and darker our world gets. We need a, we need a Savior You need a Jesus to step in and heal you and make a big mess of your life. And then as you obey Him, you will create a mess that will declare the goodness and glory of God Almighty. And so today, we've got some biker friends who are going out to create a mess. And I love that. And what I want you guys to know, those of you who are common ground commoners, I want you to know, you get just as much opportunity as these guys do. Just because they're standing on a street corner handing out Bibles doesn't mean that they get more opportunity to tell about the the glory and goodness of Jesus. Because Monday's coming. And you're going to a job. 
And I'm flying to Boise, and there's so much darkness in Boise, I don't even want to know. There's, there's stuff all around us and people all around us who are broken and lonely and lost and growing more and more bitter. Sometimes because Jesus hasn't healed them in the way they want to be healed. Or because nobody has helped them get into the water. Or because nobody's even taken the time to say, do you need to be, do you want to be made well? I see you're working at this whole thing really hard. I see your life falling apart. Do you want to be made well? Sometimes there's nobody there even saying that. And every one of you has an opportunity to do that. Today we get to celebrate communion, which is an awesome thing because we get to celebrate communion with brothers and sisters we never knew we always had. We get to celebrate communion, and here's the deal. This is what communion is. This is the beautiful picture of this, right? Like we get to come to the table and we get to go, Jesus, your body was broken. May mine be broken as well. Your body was bruised and it was kicked around, but it was a body that had hands and had arms and had feet that moved and that spoke and that shared the gospel and showed the gospel and and touched people with the gospel and He brought healing to people. That body was broken for me and I'm going to take that in. And that blood was spilled for me, as we sang earlier, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That blood was spilled for us to cover us and to take care of our sin, but also to fill us with the life of Jesus so we can go to people and say, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? There are hundreds of thousands of people gathering to this place for a small healing. Small bit of pleasure. May Jesus heal them. But there are also hundreds of people in your life that are looking for a small bit of pleasure and a small bit of healing. May you be the light that shows to them the Jesus that can make them well. So as we come to communion, we're going to sing one song. It's going to be a fairly long song, but we'll sing one song. I'll give you enough time. And as you come to the communion table, please know we have to we, we practice open communion here at Common Ground. That means you don't have to be a member here, but I ask that you do business with Jesus. And if you need Jesus to make a mess of your life, invite that. I mean, be careful that you're inviting it, because he will. But if you need Jesus to make a mess of your life, invite that. If you need Jesus to heal you, invite that. If you need Jesus to speak to you, invite that. If you need Jesus to actually open up your ears, invite him to do that. Ask him to do that. Plead with him to do that. If that's not the business you're doing here with Jesus, don't come to the table. It's okay. There's no judgment for that. If you're at a place where you're like, no, I don't want to be made well, that is fine. That's okay. I don't want you to stay there. But if that's the case, I pray that you would ask for some help. Get some help. Talk to people. Ask for, ask them why Jesus matters to them. And you'll hear stories of people who Jesus has saved their daughter's life before they lost her. And you will hear, hear people who's Life has been so deeply impacted by the power and the grace of Jesus that it can't help but make your soul come alive again. Ask that Jesus would heal. He says, ask, seek, knock, right? And what? It will be given to you. Lord Jesus, we come before you. 
And I just ask that you would move in our lives, that you would bring life back into the souls that are dry and parched. And there are some I know here that are my friends, that I've talked to them, that we've hung out, we've talked about this whole thing, that I know that they feel sucked dry and hopeless and helpless and lost and lonely and bitterness is beginning to show its ugly head. And so, I Lord, I I pray that you would heal that. And there are some here that I know that are my friends that we've hung out and talked about it. They need actual physical healing, Lord. I pray that as they come to the communion table, you would provide that. And then there are some whom you've you've placed a wound so deep inside of them. And you have healed that wound that it becomes a mission. I pray that you would fan that flame in people. And then as my friends go out to, uh, whether it's the rally or whether it's work... Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit and give us a message that's burning deep in the pit of our stomach so that we can go and share and tell and show all about you. Lord, we love you and we pray that you do business. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. Please join us again at Common Ground Church.